Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Good morning, everyone. Uh, how are you doing? Okay, today I'm going to um, share something around the theme um, around faithful. That's the theme for this year. So, this is based on um, a personal revelation that I received from the Lord a couple of years back. So I just put some scriptures around that to convey the point. So, so the title is about how you, we can fight effectively for our faith with the right knowledge. So when I, when I got saved years back, I had this question in my mind. Is God good? Because I had this question because this, this, this is what I was saying. Why so much pain in this world? Is God good? I had this question. So I, uh, in the church that I was going 20 years back, uh, the pastor would uh, take a group of people. So he would disciple us, um, share from the word, take us through the parables, everything. And then we'd have a time to ask questions. So at the end of the day, I, I privately went to the pastor and I thought, I, let me get this clarified with my pastor. So I, I went to him and I asked, um, is God good? So the response that I received from the pastor was a stern face. And then he said, I want to slap you on the face. So I was so shocked. Actually, it got tears in my eyes because I felt um, very good about it. Not good about it, but good about uh, my standing in the Lord, all those things. And then very confidently asked, not expecting the response that I would get, with like a slap on the face. So I could not hold my tears. Um, I was offended, and it took many years for me to understand the goodness of God. Um, so I thought it would be good to start with this question because this is not a very rare question. It's a very common question that everyone gets in this world, right? So it's the number one question, I would say. Because of the pain that we see in this world, this question comes up just like that in our mind. So how do we answer this question? And how do we answer other questions that comes to our mind is very important in our walk with the Lord. Because it can stall your progress with the Lord or it can propel you further. So answering this question is important. So you might get different questions like this. Lord, don't you care about me? Lord, don't you see my suffering? Lord, don't you hear my cries? Lord, don't you love me? So you can see that last four questions are starting with the Lord. First one is a common question. Anyone will ask, even those outside the church, they'll just brand the whole creator as God, and they'll just shoot this question, is God good? I don't think your God is good. I don't think God is good. What do you see? All the pain in this world. They just say that. But Christians, we might also ask this question because we have lots of questions. Lots of questions for which we don't have answers. So we also ask this question. So we need answers for this question, how it will help us to fight our faith. That's what we'll see. So I'm going to um, share something from the life of Adam and Eve and the life of Job and from the cross, obviously. Where else can we go, right? You have to come back to the cross. And then how the knowledge of the cross helps us to fight this battle. So, what is faith? Faith is nothing but an action. Kind of a verb, right? 
right? Noun, verb, you know that, right? Grammar, I'm not teaching grammar. But, <laughs> but faith is action, right? But what is the substance? What, what, is the, what is this thing that faith is upon? What is, where does this action stem from? It comes from, from our belief. And what is our belief? It comes from the knowledge that we have about God. Some day or the other, we started our relationship with God because someone shared about God. We come as, we start with kindy, then go to year one, year two, uni, right? In, in the knowledge of the Lord. So, we grow in the Lord. But how much we grow is important. Because this knowledge makes a foundation for our Christian work. Because it defines our belief. If our belief is right, our actions will be right. If our belief goes wrong, because our knowledge is wrong, our actions are going to be wrong. So, we see from Adam and Eve's life, we know what happened, right, in the Garden of Eden. Two trees are there. One is a good tree, one is a bad tree. But God said about one tree that it gives you the wrong knowledge. Gives you the wrong knowledge about me that if you take from it, you are going to die. So, we read, we read from um, Adam and Eve story that they indeed took the fruit. But we all see that biting the fruit is sin, right? Biting the fruit is sin and then always the fall and the temptation of man, there will be a bite of the fruit. That's what it will be pictured. And for biting a fruit, the Lord has to die on the cross. So hard to correlate with these pictures in mind, right? But I just want to go a step back. What made them to take the bite? It's the alteration of knowledge that they held at that point in time and what changed their knowledge that led to sin. So the belief that they had about God, that he is what he is, and then when Satan come, comes and says something else, they receive the thought. So this is what we read. So this is what I'm going to say from this point. Adam and Eve, though walked with God, did not know God. They were ignorant about God's goodness. What did they do every day? God was walking with them in the garden. They had a close relationship. It can be a prayer or a Bible reading, whatever it is you can relate with. They had a very perfect life. No problem at all, whatsoever. So when, but we see that God warned about something and we see um, in 3, 4 and 5, we see that you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And, and the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some, of, she took some and ate it. So just see the underlines. The serpent said about something about God, it's a different knowledge than what she was holding at that point in time. Or maybe she doesn't have any knowledge about God. That's why we say she is ignorant. She changed her action. What was the action? She took some and ate it. But what did she saw? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, where is the fight? There's no fight that Adam and Eve, uh, that Eve did. See something, you hear something wrong about your most close person, maybe your father or mother or a pastor or a leader or someone. If someone says something wrong to you, you just receive it wholeheartedly with wide open ears 
or you go back to them, what are you saying? What's, what nonsense are you saying? Will you say like that? Or you just receive everything? Yes, come on. I'm taking notes now. <laughs> taking notes so it's now recorded in my heart, deep down in my heart. So now I can build a different life, right? So something like that, Adam and Eve did not do anything. Like in pastor, I said, right? When I said that is God good, he got angry with me. He put a stern face. But Eve did not do anything. Okay, you said it. I changed my mind about it. What I didn't do, I'm going to do. Because the belief system was modified. So, the, so that's what we are going to talk about. Your knowledge about God is very important. You should not allow any knowledge which is wrong. Because it is going to change your action. And it can lead you into sin. So though they walk with God, like we are coming to church, we pray, we worship, we read the word, we do life groups, we do a lot of things. But in spite of all these things, if we do not know God personally, what's going to happen is going to, we are going to make wrong decisions because we are not really holding the knowledge of God properly. So what happens when they hold the knowledge of God properly? They are going to um, doubt and there's going to be a distance between them and God. They're going to move away from God. Like when I said, the tough question that I was having for many years was this. Is God good? When I see the pain, I don't get an answer. And this really put me in trouble because I know the word. I know Bible. I pray. I know pastors. I know mature people. Um, I speak in tongues. So with all those things, I'm not able to handle the question correctly because it just saps all my energy when I get the thought. I feel powerless. I feel so weak. Where can I take this question? Can I go and talk to God and say, Lord, are you good? I'm getting these thoughts again and again. Can you please help me? I feel it's not an appropriate question to God. I don't know where to take this question because no person is able to really address this thought to me satisfactorily that totally dies down. Like, this question should stop coming in my mind. Something like that. I want that authority over the thought. But it doesn't happen. So whenever it happens, I feel like powerless. There's nobody to help me in this thought. I'm in the church, but this thought really totally makes me, like, I'm on a cross like that. Ah, now do whatever you want to do. I cannot handle this. So this thought was bothering me so much. So this is, it's important that we know answers for this. So this doubt about God's goodness can affect your faith. It can make you waver. So next we are going to see from the life of Job. So we know, we read from Job first chapter that he was a very mature person. Mature person in the Lord. Like he's a stalwart I would say. He knows all the things that God wanted him to do. He was not just ensuring that the Physical things that their kids do that can be sinful should be stopped, even in the Old Testament time. He was even concerned about how their heart condition is. So he would daily get up in the morning, early morning, and he would sacrifice a burnt offering. What's a burnt offering? A blameless bull or a lamb. They take, they clean it. Early morning, they sacrifice it. A lot of cleaning work is done, right? Think about it. How many of us do early morning prayer? Very tough, right? Yeah, yeah. I tried many times. Once, wow, I, I, I feel very victorious. Couple of days, 
and I feel, oh, okay, it's so powerful. It makes me fall down, right? But you see that it's mentioned about Job that he was regular. He was always doing this in the morning and burnt offering. Burnt offering is a very tough job. You have to do a lot of work around that. And it's not a good thing, right? You kill something early in the morning. How do you feel the whole day? But he was anyway doing it because he was seeing the importance of having a clean heart towards God. So he's a mature believer. And we also see from the book of Job that all the people who come and spoke with him are very good mature people. Maybe they are leaders in their own areas. They are coming to help him in the time of need. So he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them. He would do it early in the morning. He would think perhaps my children have sinned. Maybe they have spoken evil things against God in their hearts. So one who is thinking about cleanliness in the hearts definitely must be matured, right? So he's matured. So what happens in between? After that, we know that... Um, sorry, I need to put it here. We know that um, Satan comes and gets permission from the Lord. So it gets permission to attack him, attack all that belongs to him, his family, all the possessions that he has. And in fact, it asks second time to attack him physically. So everything that's related to dog, related to job, is being attacked by Satan. And God allowed that to happen. We read that, right? But there is some understanding that we need to get from this part. For example, after everything is lost, it's written. Like two times. One is he lost 10 of his kids. He lost all his property. All the cattle is gone. Everything is gone. That's one state. And Bible says that he did not sin. And second time, when he gets boils all over his body, this is what his wife said. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Curse God and die. What does, what, what, why I have underlined this was, he's saying whatever is happening in your life is from God. Now curse God. He's the one. Right? And what does Job do? He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God? That's highlighted. And not trouble. That's in red. The reason is red is, Good things come from God, but not trouble. He allowed in Job's life for attack to come. But if you see, if you read the book of Job, God was saying good testimonies about Job. That's what he's starting with. Who is the one who is trying to attack? It is the enemy who is, try, who is coming with a plan to attack. It is not in the intention of God that Job should be harmed. It's not in his heart. I have plans to bless you not to harm you. That's what we read in Jeremiah. So it's not from God that Job has to be in trouble. So that thought that he's having, this trouble is coming from God, was not perfect. And we see that in Job 19.6, when the problem is going on for a long time, he is made to think that then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. The problem, this thought that God can trouble me, God can wrong me, was in his understanding. It was not, he, he felt it's okay, um, okay to think that God can wrong a person, God can harm a person. That thought, he, did, he felt it's okay because he was not seeing the enemy. It's an invisible enemy, right? We don't see the enemy. So we, 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 we can have lots of questions about whatever goes through in our life, but the moment we think that it is going, coming from God and put a finger at God, 
then we can go wrong in our understanding. So that understanding can put us in more trouble. Then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. And in verse 22 he says, Why do you persecute me as God and are not satisfied with my flesh? Was God persecuting him? No. But this is what he was thinking, which is fair enough. Fair enough in the sense he could not see the enemy. He doesn't know that God gave a good testimony about him. One word of encouragement for those who are going, a lot of people are going through trouble. But you see, God was not testing on a very, God was allowing this on a very new person, I would say. Someone who is very encouraged and matured in the Lord. God allowed this to happen. He was trusting Job can get through and I am there by his side to help him out, come victorious. When you see the end of Job, he was doubly blessed from whatever he lost. He was doubly blessed. His intentions for Job was to bless him. But why do you persecute me was the thought that he was getting in the middle of the problem that he was going through. So these words has come from his heart because his understanding was trouble can also come. God can persecute me. God can put, in trouble, put me in trouble. But what, what do we read from um, James? When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. This is a perfect understanding that comes in James later because we are in the New Testament time. What we are reading is maybe 4,000 years back. Job's time will be 4,000 years or more than that. We do not know exactly the time when Job lived. So Job was a matured believer um, and he did not sin in all the troubles that he got but his understanding about God was not perfect. So which made him to be in more trouble because he finds God is not on his side still. God is, he is seeing God like on the side of the enemy. So he's thinking that God is also doing, you guys are also coming into my life and you are also pointing fingers at me. So he was, his pain was aggravated. His understanding was not perfect. So now he started questioning God. Now what does God, what does God say to Job? So for imperfect understanding about God, God is actually challenging him. Are you saying this against, against me? Are you pointing your finger against me? So he says, the Lord said to Job, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? He says, okay, you are getting a lot of problems, but you are able to not hold yourself from pointing your finger at me. You are freely able to point me and say, you wronged me. I think only Job's life can be so good like that to bring that character of God for you and, me to, for you and I to learn today. God could not have done that with my life. I would have failed multiple times. So God was taking a perfect person and from his perfect life, God is making a more perfect character about God revealed to us. Even though you are perfect completely, you don't have answers for all the problems, don't come to the conclusion that you can find fault with me. Stop there. That's what God is saying. You cannot do that because you do not know all the plans that I have for you. So that understanding can harm us in our walk with the Lord. So what can, what can happen when we have questions that we don't have answers for? One is, like in Adam and Eve's life, next step will be, we'll do some sin because our understanding is modified or we will live in an offense. Like God says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. But when we 
when we don't see God on our side, we can be living in offense. So I was offended when, when I get into trouble, when I don't have the answers. So what was the answer that we can find on the cross? So we read that Jesus, we read from Mark 8, 11 and 12, the Pharisees arrived and began arguing with Jesus. They tested him by demanding from him a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply in his spirit and, rem and remarked, why do those living today demand a sign that today is 2,000 years back? I tell all of you with certainty, no sign will be given to this generation. So what is Jesus saying? The Pharisees were coming and talking to God. If you are God, they were questioning whether he is God, whether he is a Messiah. So they were questioning him and God was troubled. He has done a lot of miracles. He brought people from dead. The people were blind from birth. And God healed them. But with all the signs, they were not able to see Jesus as God. So he was saying, one more thing I'm going to do at the cross, where I'm going to die for your sins, and I'm going to be resurrected after three days. There are two, two things that we need to learn from the cross. One is the power of God to resurrect from our dead state. That is the power of God. The other thing is the love of God where he goes and takes the, the cross for us, for you and me. He takes all the stripes. He was slapped, he was plucked, and he was punched, he was bruised badly, that the bones were visible on him. He went to that extent. He just not de dead and rose from, rose from the grave. It's not like, oh, it's a God's act, you can just die and get up. No, he didn't do it that way. So there are two things. One is the power of God in resurrection from, resurrecting from the dead. The other one is the love of God. So what does this love of God teaches us? The love of God teaches us that God did not spare his only son so that you and I may not be lost. It shows the goodness of God. So when it talks about, they are asking about the second part where he's saying, I will do one more sign. That is the sign of Jonah. Like, like Jonah was in the mouth of the uh, sorry, in the belly of the whale, the Son of Man will also be crucified and he will be in the belly of the grave, right? Belly of the earth, three days, and after three days he will rise up. So that was the symbol that God was connecting. But I am saying the same thing, but the other part, where I am talking about the love of God that is portrayed, that is a sign for you and me to answer the questions that we get in our life about God's goodness. When we have our questions answered with that, we will be able to fight our battles properly. So Jesus' suffering on the cross should correct our imperfect thinking about God's goodness. And Jesus said that he finished the work for... He finished the work. When he, on the cross he said, I have finished. He mentioned it's finished. What did he finish? For you and me to believe in God, to trust in God, to know that He loves us, whatever is required, He has proved it. So we should not have any questions about God's goodness still lingering in our mind, whether is He good or not. We should use that knowledge for our faith, because it says that He is the one who started our faith, and He is the one who finishes finishes our faith. So we should we should take the work of the Lord on the cross as a sign for our walk in the Lord. So that's, that is a sign. We cannot be expecting more signs 
to prove his goodness. That day they were proving, looking for a sign where God resurrected from the dead. Now we are 2,000 years on this side and we should not be looking for one more sign about God's goodness, but we have to go to the cross for the question that I am answer, answering to the question about God's goodness. For knowing whether he is good or not, we should not have it still lingering in our mind. We should answer that question, yes, God is good, no matter what. Whether I see, or whether I see my questions answered or not, whether I get relief from the things that I am going through, I am not going to go and point my fingers at God. I am going to stay with the cross, the knowledge that God has revealed at the cross. So, I will just share one more uh, thing that I mentioned, that I, revelation that I got three years back. Like um, I mentioned this thought about hell and heaven that's mentioned in the Bible. The thought about hell was giving me uh, uh, tough questions that I could not handle. Whenever these thoughts comes, I go paralyzed. Oh, what can I do about this? God's goodness and the presence of hell was conflicting in my mind. I was not happy with the thought. So whenever this thought comes, I'll go for a toss. Like I'll, I'll be going, I'm praying, reading Bible, everything's fine. But when this thought about hell and all the problems that, that, that is mentioned there, I go down like this. Is God really good? I was not able to um, satisfactorily answer the question. I was going down in my faith like that. And then, then I'll encourage myself and then do it. But again and again this thought was coming in my mind, so I was not able to handle it properly, and it was impacting my walk in the Lord. Like, so for example, I preach today, tomorrow I may get a thought, and then say, oh, I don't have the answer. What shall I do about this? I cannot go and ask God, because God is the one. I'm doubting now. Where can I go? I cannot go and ask the pastor or the mature people. They are not going to answer my question, so I need to have the answers. So I got frustrated with this thought because whenever it comes, I feel defeated. So one day I was praying in my living room. I said to the thought that was coming in my mind, I do not know about heaven because I have not been there. I have not been to hell because I have not been there. But one thing I know, that Jesus died for me on the cross. He loves me so much. He forgave all my sins. I made a lot of mistakes. And God has forgiven me. I know I have tasted his love for me. This is what I am going to believe. I am not going to take the knowledge people say about heaven or knowledge people say about hell. And I am not going to allow that knowledge to change my understanding about who God is. I am going to have my understanding fixed on what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I am going to confess it. And I said to the thought, I rebuke this thought in the name of Jesus. I believe in what God did for me on the cross. I overcome it in the name of Jesus Christ. This is what I said. And I felt like a little bit comfortable, like I felt like I handled it properly. And two days later, my brother-in-law from India, he called me. He said, um, Pari got a dream today morning um, by 4 o'clock. In the dream, um, I see you going in a bike steady. And I'm going next to you, but I'm wobbling like this. And God told me to talk to you. I said, so from the dream it says, I'm going steady. I said, no, I, I know about myself. I have a lot of shortcomings. I'm not perfect. So I, I believe God is not saying I'm perfect, but God is asking you to talk something that's happening in your life to me. In that area, God would have taught me. 
so I can share what God taught me to you so that you can be stable like I am stable. That's what God is telling to you. That's what I told him. So he said, tell me what's bothering your mind. He said, um, when I get thoughts about hell, I get confused. Is God really good? That's, that's the question that he's asked. And I was so much surprised because that's exactly the thought I was handling just a couple of days back. And I welcomed it by pointing my, my attention to the cross. And God was watching what I was praying. I was, I was just doing my battle at home about the problem that comes into my mind. And God was watching and he was confirming, this is the way to fight. When you get thoughts questioning my goodness, when you get thoughts whether I am good or bad, and whether you don't get answers, you cannot just accept and change your knowledge about it. You have to use the knowledge that you already know what he did on the cross and take it to battle. And it was like a confirmation from God for me. Okay, this is what I've done is right. It's like God himself is confirming me. So I thought this is something that I needed to share. So let's close our eyes and pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for your grace and mercy upon our lives, Lord. Oh Lord, we are, we are imperfect, Lord. We have lots of questions, Lord, for which we do not have answers, Lord. Oh Lord, we are tempted on so many areas, Lord, by the evil one. But I pray, Lord, that you give us grace, that you help us to get our answers, Lord, from the cross. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you help each and every one of, one of the people here or those who might be watching online, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you help them to find you answer for everything, Lord, that they are going through. Oh, Lord, help them to believe in you that your love will help them to overcome every obstacle in their life. Thank you so much, Lord. If you have anything that's bothering you, if you want prayer, please come forward for prayer and I request the prayer team to come forward. You can pray, you can confess if you have something in your heart to be addressed. And the peace of the Lord will rest upon you. Thank you, Lord. We submit everything to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.